Hi, Francis. <laughs> Hi, David. Hi, everyone. <laughs> yeah, Francis and I were having such a lively talk this morning that we almost forgot the time. <laughs> it's good. <laughs> That's a good sign. <laughs> uh, well, it's so good to see all of you again and uh, what a deep, deep retreat this is turning out to be, which is not a surprise. With the title, This Holy Instant, then everything else other than this holy instant is, is up for question. <laughs> why, why would I hang on to the past and the future if God loves me now and everything that I w ever would want or need is in this present moment? So uh, that's that's an exciting uh, exciting ride. This is definitely a, a very deep adventure. Yeah, that movie yesterday was, um, you know, one thing that it really stood out for me was um, those three innocent little children and how Jesus is saying, be like little children. And the three of them, they are so innocent and they do not, they, they haven't learned the complexities of the world, why you can't say certain things, why it's, political or not appropriate, why the parents are so upset. They have no idea, but the fact is they're so pure and so um, so joyful with what they felt in their heart and just voice it. It makes me feel like the reason why we want to be like little children and the children can lead the way is because they're the best follower. They're the best follower of, of Jesus and truth. And the reason that, that we can follow little children inside is because we, we all have that little, little spark, very innocent and knows this feels good, this feels right. You know, just like all of us being here, you know, some of us in the studio, been here in the community, some in the um, mystery school and the monastery and some just here um, online for this weekend but I know what brought all of us, all of us here is not because we we count on the the world the teachings and saying oh, I think it's a good investment to come here but it's actually this tiny little voice and so innocent and so playful and joyful and just like oh this feels right this feels good. I, I recognize something in David. I want to be in that joy. And, and here we are. <laughs> this is what we follow. We follow these beautiful little children inside. And, and the teaching is, even this weekend, is just there to continue follow nothing but that, really. That's, that's really it. Yeah. Yeah, those little children were, they enjoyed their their leisurely walks uh, out in the fields, in the hills, and you know, with the with the sheep or with out in nature, and and to them, I'm sure that was very wonderful playtime. You know, just to be able to to have free time and playtime to do that, and you contrast that with the world now, where a lot of it is, you know, trying to get children to into some kind of learning skills at the earliest age possible <laughs> to turn them into 
little productive people that will grow into productive, productive teens and productive adults. And uh, to, for what? To, uh, to prop up the society, you know, for the gross national product of a country. Some of you know uh, John Lennon did his song called Imagine, and in that is, imagine there's no country. <laughs> How's that? When, when one of the Beatles starts singing, imagine there's no country. Imagine there's no society. What if uh, society is just a construct to keep you from being still and joyful and happy in the present moment and knowing who you really are? What if all the institutions of society are all just constructs? What if they're all just make-believe? You know, the, the Monsignor, the priest, the mayor, everybody was hammering these three little children, hammering, hammering, say that you made it up, say that you lied, say that you made it up. Hours and hours, days, days of hammering, hammering, hammering. And then I have a feeling that uh, these children didn't really understand uh, anything, what the difference was between a priest and a bishop and a monsignor. I don't think they really know. They were just, they had a great experience with Mother Mary and they were going to be the messenger and share it. And they really couldn't fathom to the, the whole sense of war. You know, they were just walking around in their fields and even the angel of Portugal had to take Lucia in, in a cave and show her the, the war. Uh, on the wall, on the wall, that was her little snippet of of what's going on, giving her, giving little Lucia a context, um, and then of course the second to last appearance of Mary, you know, she basically showed him like a burning earth, um, and she said, "This is hell," you know. It's it's not often taught that this world is hell. Uh, uh, you, Jesus, kind of. Uh, pokes, pokes fun at it. There's one of his workbook lessons where Jesus starts out the workbook lesson is if if guilt is is hell, um, what is its opposite? And he throws that out in one of his workbook lessons. If guilt is hell, what is its opposite? And then he says the reason you have hesitation in answering the question is because you do not believe that guilt is hell. So what does that mean? You do not believe that guilt is hell. He's saying that you are, you, the ego has made a substitute reality and there's aspects of this substitute reality, there's aspects of this projection that you're attracted to. And it's all guilt. Every aspect of separation is guilt and yet you find some aspects of guilt attractive. That's why he starts out his workbook lesson if guilt is hell, what is its opposite? And the reason there's not a quick answer is he says you don't, you hesitate because you don't believe that guilt is hell. If you saw that guilt was hell, you would drop it like a hot potato. If you saw that guilt was hell, you would say, I have no need of this whatsoever. But most human beings talk a lot about, they feel guilty. They feel guilty for what they should have done that they didn't do. They feel guilty for what they did do that they shouldn't have done. <laughs> they feel guilty because they're not doing enough. 
that they're not loving enough, that they're not a good enough mother or a good enough father, a good enough son or daughter, a good enough citizen, a good enough worker, a good enough community member. Uh, it's never enough and that's because this whole projection is based on, on guilt. So there's not like a fiery eternal hell, but it's just like the mind is facing guilt every single day because it's invested in the attractive forms of guilt and it wants to be repulsing or or avoiding the unattractive forms of guilt. And Jesus is like, guilt is hell. Why do you care whether it's attractive or unattractive? <laughs> you should you should want to drop it and, and wake up to the kingdom of heaven. So that's some pretty deep metaphysics, but that movie really uh, showed that because those little children, uh, you know, they, they just weren't buckling in the in the pressure and the compromise of you know just say that you've lying say that you made it up they weren't about to do that uh, Lucia had a, had some temptations there but uh, but her her cousins were were pretty strong uh, in this and and that was very important we need to have strong mighty companions and witnesses for this yeah and also the the persistence of the ego, once you have a glimmer of truth and you are going to share that truth, so you're not going to compromise the persistence of the ego. You know, that was very uh, striking. But what you're saying, David, is that everything in the projected world, because it's based on this, this wrong idea, is just reflection of, of guilt. And I feel like even with, we talked quite a bit about family concept, mother, daughter, you know, parent, children concept. So in that movie, it actually showed even those concepts underneath it, there is guilt and there is, you know, like fear and guilt underneath as, as the foundation, the con construct, the roles are not built out of love. The roles are a construct of the ego. And I feel like even on this spiritual path, when I really said I was going to let, you know, leave behind the pursuit of success and everything the world has to offer and go, go this route, my mom was really, really mad. And I couldn't understand where, where this anger come from. I said, what is, what is so upsetting? You're abandoning me. You're abandoning me. But I'm already living in a different country. Where is that coming from? It, 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 it's very, very strange. But then I watch all the people around me. They are going through the exact same thing. Every single parent, even if you just move to the next state, to the community or the monastery, the parents are still, it's, it's the same emotion of you're leaving behind this construct, this role that we are here to play. You know, we have expectations based on these roles. We have a different self-identity tied to this role, so you cannot just leave it behind because it's very, very threatening. But over the, um, I would say, over the last 10, 11 years of being, practicing the course and you know, like those little children, they were, you know, they still couldn't lie just to please their parents. They have to be very steadfast 
just facing what they're asked to do one moment at a time. What I realized in my own journey as well as you know, watching the movie yesterday and everybody around me is that then you eventually rise up to teach, to teach what you know, our given function truly is, to teach what love truly is. Not to abandoning love behind, but actually rise up to a different place to teach what love is, even to the ones that you think has a role with you that is tied to, to the earthly roles. Really, love is what everybody wants. And this is what, what I see the fruit of, of this journey, the spirit is. We follow the spirit so steadfastly, one step at a time, in order to truly receive love and to be able to teach love. And actually yesterday I, had, I read this part of the course and Jesus says in chapter 14, he said, ask spirit to decide for me for every decision is a reflection of God's love. So can you imagine every decision we have to make in our life can be a reflection of God's love for us. For no other outcome, no other agenda, why we have to decide on something. For what? It's for this. And this is really what guidance is about. This is what following the spirit is about in the end. This is what even the family construct, as tight as they seem, we are called out of it for a reason, you know, to understand what love is, to remember what God is, and to teach that. So that was very, definitely stood out for me, watching that movie yesterday. Yeah, it just, it, it's such a good teaching movie, because I was mentioning too, you know, how Jesus said, except you become as little children, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. And then he clarifies that in A Course in Miracles, what I meant was, you know, you, unless you become as dependent on the Holy Spirit as infants are on their, their parents, then you cannot enter the Kingdom of Heaven. What that means is that must mean that Jesus is instructing us, instead of hearing two voices in our mind, which is split mind, here's, there's the Holy Spirit and then there, there's the ego. Jesus says the ego always speaks first. It's so arrogant, it's so rude, it's a death wish. It, it never pauses and says, well, you go first this time to the Holy Spirit. It just plunges ahead with, I know, pride, I know the way, I'm the best. You know, all the, all the things, I'm, I'm going to look out for me, 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 and then the rest of the world, well, too bad. That's the ego, and that voice speaks first. But the main issue of spiritual purification and spiritual awakening is to learn to hear only one voice. So that the more you listen and follow to the Holy Spirit, you, you teach that, you learn that, you strengthen that, you reinforce that, and you finally go, I'm just going to hear one voice. And that's what Jesus did. He literally uh, heard one voice. He said, it's possible 
to listen to the Holy Spirit's voice all through the day without interrupting your regular activities in any way, he says in the workbook. What? You mean I can hear only one voice without interrupting my regular activities in any way? He's telling us, yeah, don't put so much effort on, on doing the right things. Think with me. <laughs> Think with God. Think with the Holy Spirit. And then whatever you do will flow from that thinking with God. You see? Everything in the world, even morality and, and ethics, are so concerned with behavior. And everyone associates guilt with behavior. Oh, I didn't do what I said I would do. Or I didn't pay back the money. Or I, didn't, I broke a promise. And Jesus is saying, well, you actually believe that the guilt is because of certain behaviors that are wrong. But he's saying, no, what you do comes from what you think, and it's the thinking where the problem is, and it's the thinking where the correction needs to occur. You need to think like God thinks. You need to think like the Holy Spirit thinks. You can't change the behavior. Even people who tell me, well, it took me 20 years, but I finally quit smoking. Or it took me 10 years to, to lose 20 pounds but now I'm at my ideal weight. <laughs> like, well, if you think quitting smoking or quitting drugs or losing weight is what this course is about, you're very much mistaken. <laughs> because Jesus is not about trying to change the form. He's actually saying change the way you think. And anybody who's tried to lose weight or quit smoking or quit drinking or things like that, they know how hard it is. But it's even harder to change your thought system than it is the behaviors. Because the behaviors just flow from the thoughts. The behaviors are in the mind, or the behaviors are, are of the body, but the, the mind is where the, the decisions are made. The mind is where the thoughts are. And you have to relinquish attack thoughts. Uh, that's what lesson number 23 in the workbook is. I can escape from the world I see by giving up attack thoughts. He doesn't talk about behaviors. He's saying you have to give up the attack thoughts, the judgments in the mind. And that is a, that's why it takes so much mind training and so much focus. That's why the holy instant really needs to become your, your central aim because how are you going to live in the present if your mind still is thinking thoughts about the past and future? If you still believe the past is real and and then you still believe in a projected future, wow, you're going to be restless, you're going to be stressed, you're going to have anxiety, you're going to have fear, worry, doubt. All those things come from the belief in linear time. And, and Jesus knows that God is an eternal being and God didn't create linear time. It's just a, it's a big hoax, it's a big uh, trick. But I think what we would like to talk about today too, Francis and I were talking about this morning, is this journey is so deep that, that you actually are called to not only study the Course, but to actually take leaps of faith. You're called to live a miraculous life. You're called to take leaps of faith. And I noticed one thing in, in Frances just alluded to with her mother, and I noticed that when these three little children, when they first saw Mother Mary, it seems like as 
their life suddenly got much more difficult because it seems like just making simple decisions like Mother Mary said to come back next month. Well, during that month, there were so many people that came against them that said, don't do it, don't go back. Even the brother Manuel appearing in a vision saying, don't go back. Um, the mayor, don't go back. The parents, the mom, don't go back. Uh, just to keep a simple promise to Mother Mary, I'll come back in one month. They had to face the wrath of almost everything and everyone in the entire village just to keep one simple promise to Mother Mary, I'll come back in a month. And then I started to think when I was watching that movie, I thought, huh, come to think of it, that's how it went in the parable of David. As soon as I decided to dedicate myself to reading and studying and practicing the course, Wow, people started coming out of the woodwork to tell me I was crazy, that I was wasting my life, I was tossing it all away. Uh, I, I had the beginnings of a great life. David, you could have been so much, you could have turned out so well. I had people inviting me to all kinds of high things, the world calls high things in society and everything. You can do this, you can do this. Oh, David, you had all these doors of opportunity open and instead you read this blue book and what? You're following Jesus. Oh, you turned into a Jesus fanatic. You could have been so successful. You could have made so much money. You could have achieved so many things and you turn into a, a Jesus fanatic. How disappointing. You know, I'm happy. I, I would not have changed a single thing, but I, I suddenly noticed that as I started following what Jesus was telling me to do in my prayers, that every time I would do something simple that I was guided to do, it seems like there were three or four reactions in the world. And I thought, wow, this does not seem to be very popular. I, I'm feeling better. I'm feeling more joyful by following the Holy Spirit and Jesus. And people hate me for, for following Jesus. This sounds like, wow, you will be persecuted. The world will, will persecute you in my name. And at the beginning, I was just following Jesus. I wasn't even talking about Jesus that much until I got so enraptured with Jesus. I was so happy and joyful with Jesus that I, I pretty much memorized the Course in Miracles. I would go to Course in Miracles groups and I would they would ask me a question and I would verbatim give the entire paragraph, or maybe sometimes two paragraphs, I would give the page number where it was, and people would look at me in disbelief. They would laugh like, what a joker. Because they were having trouble remembering one sentence of the Course, and I'm reciting like two paragraphs of the course and the page number that it's on, and they would go, ha, 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 ha. Then they would look in the book and they go, ah, yipes. He's memorized the book. Oh my God, how could he memorize this book? I can't remember one sentence exactly what it was verbatim, and he's got, what is it, a photographic memory? He's doing that. But it was more, my desire was to, to live in total alignment with Jesus, and so I would say the words, and and then I would I started to say the words Jesus says, and then 
people would watch me and they would listen and they go, I don't care what Jesus says, what do you say? And I couldn't believe the question. I said, I say what Jesus says. Almost I was like, I can't believe you would even ask. You want to, what does David say? Who cares? Jesus says, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I don't care. Who cares about the David character? I, I'm not interested. So at one point, Francis just said, you know, David, I think you, I think you knew the course before you picked up the book <laughs> because she said, I've never seen anybody take to it like that or, or talk from it or talk as if there's, there's no one else here except Jesus. <laughs> there's no one else except Jesus in the room. So let's all listen and pay attention to what Jesus is telling us, you know, that was my feeling. But so for me, it wasn't so much studying the book. I used it like an oracle. Um, I would just pray, open my oracle, and I would get my, my answer very clearly. And I would think, wow, I, I, I don't even feel drawn to read it uh, in a chronological way right now. I, I, I used it as an oracle for a few years just answering my every question. So that's what we're talking about here is, is don't focus so much on the behaviors or what you should do, but focus on your attitudes, your emotions, and your thoughts and pay close attention, very close attention to what's going on in your consciousness. You know, don't just say, oh, let it slide, or oh, I'm just this way, or I always act this way, or I'm always opinionated. Don't go for that stuff. That's the ego telling you you're always opinionated. But you aren't. It is. The ego is opinionated. But you're the Christ. <laughs> you're, you're not opinionated at all. That's the fact. That's the truth of it. And I remember when, I, like, in one of my first ever retreat, I was uh, attending a retreat in Mallorca for six weeks in 2010, and David at that very beginning of, of my journey. And David said something that I remembered ever since then. It was that he said, you can never understand the Course from this, this side. You can only understand after you already um, basically wake up. So I, I thought, wow, that was just a huge, huge weight off my shoulder hearing that because the amount of stress of wanting to understand and wanting to do the right thing based on my understanding was tremendous. And then gradually I realized what David was saying is at any given moment, you could gain the understanding, but the understanding come from peace. So basically all our focus can be changed from trying to trying to learn the book, trying to, how do I do the right thing? What does Jesus really say to, I am going to take this moment to be present and join with the corrector, the healer, the spirit right now. With this attitude, I have no idea how to forgive. I have no idea. You teach me. And once we we truly reach the forgiveness and the state of peace, understanding comes immediately. All the knowledge exists in that moment. So it's, it's such a, 
upside down backward you know way you know from from the the program of this world even to learn the course we have to practice it we have to practice with this holy empty mind in order to learn anything in order to understand anything aim for peace first aim for this instant first you know aim for the spirit's answer guidance first then we can understand we can share oh wow that's that's what it is but it, it's it's so striking for me and it, it proved to be that case all along that's there is only understanding after forgiveness not before yeah i think the questions have come in to us about you say living in in the given living in the present moment what does that really mean it, well, it means you really have to, to trust and, and develop a strong connection with the Holy Spirit. Because if you're just living the way human beings live, they're just living on their past learning. You know, like, like if, they're, if they were a human being was a car, how do you fill the gas tank of a car where you put gas in it? Well, for human beings, they feel like they have to eat and sleep and work because they have to make money to survive. And then all of that is based on past learning. <laughs> the belief in a career. I remember one day I was, I just completed like 10 years of university and and Jesus, you know, said, delete your resume. And, you know, I tried to just throw all the paper away and he said, no, go to your word processor. That's what we had back in those days before computers and smartphones, we had word processors. <laughs> he said, no, I go to the word processor and delete the memory of the uh, resume, not just the paper. <laughs> you can go back to the memory, fall back there. No, I want you, I want that resume out of there. You're mine now and I'm going to teach you how to live in the given. I'm going to teach you that I'll provide everything you need if you'll just shine your light if you'll just let me speak through you and smile through you and laugh through you and be happy let me have the puppet for a while <laughs> he didn't tell me how many years or decades he wanted the puppet for but he's like give me the puppet <laughs> give me that puppet david uh you've already done 10 years of university let go of your ambitions let go of your future goals delete your resume and then you'll really start to learn the present moment because the present moment is where the guidance is you know the guidance is given in the moment it's given i don't have to learn and figure out what to do you see that's the human problem <laughs> we we have conflicting ideas from the past nobody agrees on anything and then we're supposed to make our life decisions based on our past learning it doesn't work you know it's a trick but if we make our we let present trust lead the way, then wow, what an adventure. You're on an adventure. I got a, an email, a, a message uh, last night and then today from a friend from Germany, Sabine Gildemeister, some of you know her. And uh, she had a, a, a messenger, Facebook messenger call with me years ago. And she said, I said, what, where are you Sabine? She said, I'm in my office, I'm in my house. And I've just retired from my profession and I, I, I'm feeling tired, I'm achy, I'm bored, life is dull. I said, oh, you really jumped into retirement there after decades of working. 
tired, achy, bored, and dull. I said, why don't you go on, spend the rest of your life and have the adventure of your life, like go for God and, and become intuitive and just go for it. And she's like, really? So she started asking me, how would I do that? So I kept telling her. So she, she left her safe little retirement house and she went to the monastery. She went down to Mexico. She saw that I had said, take a trip in South America by bus. And she thought, that sounds like a good idea. And that she ended up having a few doubt thoughts about going to Peru. And then she, she came to meet me for lunch and the songs coming through the radio were all encouraging her to go for it. Go for Peru, Lima, Lima, Peru, go down to Peru. And people started coming at our table and saying, oh, I was a, a guide in Machu Picchu and I can tell you, all. And, and I was just looking at her going, are you seeing this? Jesus is taking you to Peru. The songs are taking you to Peru. The people coming to meet us here right now. So she went to Peru, the pandemic hit, and she's still in Peru. Now she's getting her citizenship, her permanent residency in Peru. She's gone through so much healing and she's letting go. She sold her car in Germany and now she's selling her, her house, her apartment in Germany too. And she just wrote, thank you. Wow, it's been intense, just like in the movie for those children. It's been an intense ride. I've gone through so much healing. I'm so grateful. I love you so much. And she knows it started with, you know, us talking on having a little uh, video conference call when she was tired and achy and bored and dull from just retiring. <laughs> and I, I said, what a perfect time to really go for God. You know, and so we have people like Delisa, you know, you've just graduated last year from university. You can do it too. You don't have to wait 50 or 60 years for retirement and then do what Sabine did. You can go for it now, you know, really go for it. That's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about living in the given. We're going to talk about inspiration, following your guidance, following your heart, following your bliss really seeing the miracle that everything is provided when you really follow your inspiration, everything flows to you so beautifully. And both Francis and I, we, we were in university for so many years. We, we had careers, you know, Francis even had her own business. She owned a couple houses, you know, she, she ticked off all those things you're supposed to do. She was married. She did all these things that, that are the things you chase after, but then something took off in you, Francis, and then you just went the other direction. You just went, you're off the map now. The ego is still trying to say, where did Francis go? I had her, I had her like I had everyone else, and then she's off the map. Somehow she got off the map. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Jesus definitely, it, it's like even encountering the Course and David is, it's so orchestrated. I have, I did not go out my way to chase. I did not go out of my way to chase. I was, you know, even with the Course, I just feel like I, I couldn't feel the inspiration. I, I borrowed A Course in Miracle from the library because I didn't feel sure to buy it, even spend this much money, $40 to buy a book. 
I didn't know anything about, so I borrowed in the library. And then very same day, a friend came for dinner and saw the book and said, do you know we have a local uh, group in Sydney? I said, oh, no, I, I didn't know that. So gave me the phone number, called the person. He's the facilitator of the course group. And I, I called him, and that was a Tuesday, and he said, this is my address. We normally have Monday gathering, but we had a friend have did a birthday yesterday, which was Monday. So we moved the, the, the group session to the day, which starts half an hour, come now. And then I said, where, where do you live? And he gave me the street. It was two houses down the same street. I was literally standing there, two houses from my house, and I'm like, I, okay, there is no room to, for the ego even to come in. Just do this, join the group. Then I, I thought it was amazing. I'd really love to talk about it so much. Not enough. Once a week is not enough. I have to start my own group so that I can talk about it whenever I want. I started my own group. The second meeting, someone came to say, do you know this American teacher, David Hofmeister? You really have to check him out. It was like, I did not, it was all given, one step at a time, one step at a time. But I never did anything because I've, I have to, but it was the spirit knows how my heart can open. One step at a time. And I feel like when I was seeing you, Delisa, the whole studio started to say, she looks like Lilo. And David is saying, yeah, Lilo is in Belgium. You should uh, connect with Lilo. And I just see the spirit as I work. Okay, you only have a weekend. Your parents are away. No problem. No problem for me. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get you, get your heart. And I'm going to provide guidance in a very, very loving way. Just connect with your sister. Same, similar age, probably a little older than you, but in Belgium, in your backyard. Then we'll take it from there. It's like, you know, spirit's guidance comes in these ways. It's just very loving and very subtle. But once we hold on to it, like Sabine did, she, her heart just blew open when David said, do a road trip to South America. She said, okay, I jump in now. You know, no hesitation, no backtrack, no like overthinking, she just did it. And that's really how I see that we could do. Just jump in and then wait for the next guidance. Spirit doesn't download the guidance like a hundred a day. It doesn't come like that. It comes like very, very slowly, just what we can take, but also very, very loving. And I see it. I just see it for, for you. This is how it happens. Yeah, it just flips everything. The other thing Sabine wrote to me, she said, uh, she said, wow, I, you know, I, I didn't realize how I just followed the spirit. Now I'm so fit. This is years later now after retirement. She's living up in the Andes Mountains and she hikes up in the thin air of the Andes and she feels like she's the most fit she's ever been <laughs> in her whole life. And she said, she did say, oh, I never did take that South America tour yet, yet. She said, I'm going to get my permanent residency <laughs> down here in Peru 
and then I'll be able to go back and forth to Germany anytime I want, and then I'm going to take that trip. Uh, still, that's in her mind. She still wants to take a trip all around South America. So she kept using this word adventure. She said, wow, what an adventure this has been. I just kind of took the, the, the prompt and I started saying yes. And many people who would see her life, like the little children we watched yesterday, they, they just kept saying yes to what felt right. They kept saying yes to Mary, Mother Mary. And then, whoa, that was not popular. They became the most controversial three children in probably in Portuguese history by just seeing Mother Mary and saying yes repeatedly to, oh yes, I'll come back. Will you be a messenger? Will you speak for me? Yes, I will. They brought uh, all of the ego, they brought literally darkness right down on top of them for their brief assignment. I mean, two of the, the two cousins had a very brief assignment. They, they were gone. They, were, they perished and passed away in the uh, Spanish flu in 1918. So imagine if, if uh, they could do all that they did in one year, <laughs> just by seeing Mother Mary and saying yes to her. And then boom, that was it, assignment over. Mary was saying, you'll be with me soon, very soon. And then Lucia had a much longer uh, assignment, um, but that helped bring about the movie. <laughs> that helped give us the movie we saw. So what a, what a blessing. Well, we've, we've actually started to look at the, all the questions that you have, and, and that's what we always try to do is we try to keep it practical. Like our lives, I think there's someone at, at the mystery school right now, uh, you were saying, um, Francis Karen Carpenter, who wasn't, she was saying, how, how do I live in the given? I, I'm used to just trying to strive and struggle and grasp and, and do the best I can from my past learning. And then, and now you're talking about everything can be given to you, like your day can be given to you moment by moment. Spirit will guide you moment by moment through the day. You don't have to have a plan for the day or the week or for your life in, in the world. You, you basically can just live moment by moment. But that's really an advanced state of mind. And, and that's why we're joyful. We're sharing this, this advanced state of mind. But I think people are asking the questions like, how do I start to take the steps towards that, that level of trust? And what is it that I do? That, that was one of the questions we had. What do I do? How do I practically go at this? What is the value of community? What is the value of no private thoughts and people pleasing? How do I be transparent? And, and be like those little children were so transparent and yet they had to face all their darkness in the mind, <laughs> the ring of fear under under the surface of the world, Jesus calls it, they had to face that pretty quickly because of their authenticity and their their faith and their trust. Yeah, um, you know, even uh, Delisa, I remember yesterday at Peter's session, I also asked a similar question. Oh, they have such a obvious visible signs and yet I don't really see those obvious visible signs. Um, how do I know? How, what, what do I need to do? 
And I think it is similar to Karen Carpenter's question, but a lot of the, the similar questions. The way I really see it is, is that you, you, you do know, because just the fact that you're here shows me that we all know. We all know this, this voice. We all know what inspires and calls us. And it's important to, to first acknowledge that, to first acknowledge that, and then in that there will be steps given. And when we actually hear in that place, this inspired place, this place that we're being called, when the steps are given in that space, this is what I see the moment to really trust. So for, for, you know, when I first came to the community, I, I just feel like I, I heard voice as well as an internal feeling that I trust the course unequivocally. I trust David and uh, that's my launching point. And I, here I am, I give myself over to healing. So whatever comes, within that context is matching my initial trust. This is where I trust. This is what called me here, and I'm gonna relax here and trust within this context. And the, the thing is, is I remember when I first arrived here, I actually, together with the volunteers here, were very excited whenever emotion rise up. We were like, oh, we can heal. It was uh, such a happy, <laughs> exciting um, group about anything that rises up for healing. Any conflict intensity was, was, was seen within a context of healing. So it was, there was exciting uh, excitement behind it, even though the emotion was not pleasant sometimes, but the context wrapped around it, we're here for healing. There is nothing to fear, and and, it, and 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 the experience proves that it, it really works out to to actually exercise our trust and trust what we heard in those inspired places, and then follow it through. This is really um, the the advice that I can give, you know, and I, I do see the the visible signs that, that even if you say, I don't really see it, I see it loud and clear because spirit does reach out to, to say, do this, join, join with this person. Maybe that's all you have right now, but that is everything. That's truly everything. Yeah, it seems like it's, and even if you don't have an apparition like Mother Mary, just your decision to come on this this weekend, on the holy instant, and just when we were at the beginning saying, oh, we're, we have some new people, Francis said, we have ten new people from these countries, and we're, we, said, yeah, we'd love to hear from you, break the ice, speak to us, there you go. And then the Lisa's like, yeah, here's my situation, and here she comes, brand new, she's on, Jesus has given her one weekend because her parents <laughs> will be back. So she's like, she's going for it, you know, and then, and then she speaks up and then she speaks up to Pete and, and then we'll get Lilo. Lilo just wrote to me yesterday too, saying, uh, could we have a call? I said, oh, I'm on the online retreat, but 
talk on Monday and I'm thinking, ah, maybe I can talk to Lilo and Delissa at the same time. Group video call with Belgium, you see? The spirit just drops in one step and another and another and another. And if you're just willing to say yes, you know, the ego will say, what are you doing? This is risky. You know, this is not your comfort zone. You should just stay back and be an observer of this whole thing. Uh, and Jesus is saying, well, ultimately I do want you to be able to observe and forgive the world, but, but while you believe you're a person, let's move into some action. Let's have some fun here. <laughs> I'm going to use what you believe in and guide you as you believe you're a person. And so for me, it's been a fun 36 years. I've been guided around and around. Francis and I used to, we, there was a time before the pandemic where we were in the air so much, it was like that George Clooney uh, movie up in the air. We were, we were like 22, 32,000 feet so much that we, we would go around and do gatherings around the world and we would fly around and around, looping around the globe in, in a jet. Very different for both of us. I was used to doing it by car. Peace Pilgrim did it by walking. But one time we were in a hotel and we were in a hotel in China. We just had gone a full 360 around the world doing gatherings and retreats and workshops. And then we were in the hotel room and I looked at her and I said, are you feeling the same thing I am? She said, yep, world tour. We just got, <laughs> we just went around the whole globe. And she's like, she said, uh, I'll book the tickets. And before the day was over, she had booked the tickets through guidance for where we would go and who we would visit on our next world tour. And in one day, she, by the end of the day, she had her little laptop. She said, oh, okay, the tickets are all booked for a, a whole world tour. And that, you can only do that through guidance. You know, she wasn't just, oh, let's go sightseeing and uh, up on, go visit this country and we'll do this and that. We're not into sightseeing. We enjoy it as we're going along. You know, we, we get to see the signs and symbols and the, the witnesses to us, but we're not doing it to see the sights. We're doing it to shine the light, to connect, to, to share wherever we went with people on the airport in the airplanes, airports, restaurants, at, at, I mean, many, many gatherings. We went to China one time, I remember, I forget what year it was, we went there like seven times, but one time we did this gathering in China and it was so profound that the two organizers, after we finished the gathering, the two organizers came to us and they said, if we knew what was coming, if we knew how deep we would go, if we knew how healing this would have been, we would have invited so many more people with our marketing skills. We would have brought as many people in. And we said, well, it's just perfect. Everyone who's supposed to be there <laughs> was there. But they, could, they were saying, oh my God, this touched us so much that we would have put more effort into letting people know you were coming if we actually knew how deep this experience was. So there comes a point, you know, you study spirituality, but then there comes a point where Jesus and Holy Spirit are saying, now it's time to really get into the point. 
the only point of all these words, you can see it's a thick book, but the only point of all these words is to put you in touch with your internal teacher. When you're in touch with your, your guidance, with the spirit inside of you, the book has, has served its purposes. You don't have to become a scholar. Remember when Jesus told the Pharisees and scribes, you know, you need to follow the spirit of the law, not the letter of the law. And the, the scribes and Pharisees, they were all caught up in the Torah. Nowadays, this we have the course, but the Torah back then was the big deal. And then Jesus came along and there, once he started to follow the Holy Spirit and speak, he went to a, 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 a synagogue one time and his mother was even there at the synagogue early on. And then the Holy Spirit said through Jesus, you have heard of the prophets speak about the Messiah. Today the prophecy is fulfilled. He basically had the Holy Spirit speaking at a synagogue in Galilee saying the prophecy has been fulfilled. Oh, did they get angry. They were as hopping mad, uh, the, the rabbis were as hopping mad as the ones, the mayor and, the, and all the, the, the mother and everyone else was mad at the little children when he just said a few simple words, the prophecies are fulfilled. That brought, he became the most unpopular person in the whole, in all of the history <laughs> of, of Judea when he said those few words, the prophecies are, are today fulfilled. Because he was speaking, the Holy Spirit was speaking in the present moment and they were interpreting you young, long-haired whippersnapper, you, you, do you know how long the Jewish tradition is and how long we've waited, how many centuries we've waited for Messiah? And then you just breeze right in, ah, the prophecies are today fulfilled. <laughs> they were ready to stone him. They were going to grab a rock, you know, we're very religious, but grab a rock, you know, this guy. This young, long-haired whippersnapper has the audacity to say, the, the prophecies are fulfilled. You know, he was basically speaking in the present moment and the world reacted with huge anger and rage. So just, you know, everybody needs to know when you go on this journey, it's not necessarily you're going to win the popularity contest uh, if you follow the Holy Spirit and Jesus. Be prepared. You may become less popular. I did. I became very much less popular. I was less popular in my family. I was less popular with my friends. I became extremely unpopular because I started to get devoted to the present moment. And, and that's what happens in a world that the ego made. It just, it gets stirred up like a hornet's nest. Well, what do you think, Francis? We, we have some written questions and we also love to do the, the spontaneous uh, ones on here on Zoom. Do, is there any of the uh, written ones that, that's, that jump out to you? Well, I, I think we actually covered a lot to address different aspects of the written questions. So maybe we, we move into the live action. Great. Well, I see Antonio, he got that little digital hand up really quick. <laughs> he anticipated before you could even say it, he had his hand up. <laughs> Can you hear me? Yes. yes. Okay, so I, I, I want to speak up 
I was always this shy and lowly guy, as David said. And it's been so amazing, incredible. First of all, I'd like to say that this was like a miracle of the sun retreat. I don't know if you did it on purpose, but it was just the image of the sun, the miracle of the movie. Yeah. Because for me, this retreat was about the holy instant and about faith. And, you know, I prepared this retreat. I am a single father of six years old twins. So my plan was to be in the morning with them and in the afternoon and evening with all of you at the retreat. But I got sick on Friday and I knew that that was part of the plan. The spirit wanted me to be full time with all of you. So I'm very lucky I have my family that they can take care of the children, but this is how it started. Okay, so you must be still, you are sick today, Friday. So this is all for you. You have all the weekend for you. And so, yes, the other thing is that when I heard the title of the movie, which is Fatima, I knew that something big was going to happen because Fatima is for especially two reasons, very important to me. The first one, uh, I studied in Madrid cinema and I made short films. Um, my last short movie was called Fatima's Virgin. And I was an agnostic at that time and I wanted to make fun of the seers, of the believers. So I wrote this comedy. And the fun thing is that even though I wrote the script, we started improvising and the main character was this innocent believer like Jacinta. And it was out of my control. And the days I shoot, I shot the movie was one of the best of my time. We were all the time laughing. It was miraculous. Even though I was an agnostic, I didn't know that a few years later, this book of miracles was going to come into my mind because as I said, I was an ag agnostic. Second thing, if I can think of the person that is most, you know, if you think of a person that you felt you were a victim by that person, this person is called Fatima. She was a girl, I was a boy, and same as I was trying to make fun of believers, she was trying to make fun of me. So I, this is probably the person that I still need to forgive. So when I saw the movie, it was unbelievable because the face of the actress of Virgin Mary, it was exactly the same. So I had this opportunity to see this beautiful woman because this Fatima, my, let's say, friend of, she's so, so beautiful. So it's okay, okay, great. It's the person for me. And also, mm, I don't know if you know this painting by Goya. It's an amazing painting. 
and it's about death. These are the killers, it's the ego, they don't have a face. And then you have here the representation of the past, the future, and the present moment. These are all dead, is the past. These are all going to die, is the future. And in the present moment, there are different faces. Some of them are covering their heads, but this man is like Jacinta. He's in white, he's like Jesus. And for me, death is like the Holy East and the present moment. So the reason I thought about this painting is because I love art. And also because for me, the movie was about a representation of the faith, the scale of the faith. You know, imagine a zero is the parish priest or the mayor. The 10 is Jacinta, I think. But in the middle, and this is where it was so amazing. You know, Antonio is the father of Lucia. Antonio doesn't really believe, but he said, I'm going to support you no matter what. And in the scene of the miracle, he's the first one to kneel down. And I felt so identified, you know, it was the spirit using these symbols for me because uh, this Antonio has to leave the lands and everything. And I'm in this moment where I think I'm going to leave my job, let's say in two years. I don't, I'm not going to do anything, but I, I feel something big is going to happen. So it was amazing also because the miracle happened that 13 of every month. And this is San Antonio. San Antonio was the local day of this town. I didn't know that. So San Antonio is my saint. <laughs> two more things and I finish. Uh, I love these two interpretation of the, you know, for the ego, it's okay, in two years time, you are going to die and we panic. For the Holy Spirit, in two years, you go heaven and Jacinta and her brother, they smile. That was so, so beautiful. Finally, it's like the spirit told me, this is not only theory, uh, David always says, not theory, you must face now your practice. You know, yeah, I had this uh, conversation with my family because for the last six years, I've been experiencing this fatigue, chronic disease. And this is part of the plan that is telling me, don't do anything you must learn to have faith, to surrender. So, you know, I have two children, no partner. I cannot take care of my family. And this is the plan of the spirit right now. But some strange things are happening in my life. And I needed to talk to my family, like the three shepherds. You know, my father is an atheist. He doesn't believe in God. I needed to have this conversation for because, for example, this summer, I go one month to the Utah monastery, one month. Uh, so my children are going to stay with their grandparents. And that's okay. There's no problem. But the thing is that they need to know the reason why I'm sick, why I cannot move. This is part of a bigger plan. And I needed to have this conversation. I'm, I even needed to use the words miracles. Jesus, 
And when I saw the movie, I said to myself, I am not going to say, maybe Jesus, some, I, no, I, 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 am, I have no doubt. So this morning I have this gathering with my family, all the people that are supporting me and I let them know this is my situation. I even took the book and this is a long story, but it was so miraculous and it was so unbelievable. And finally, they didn't say a word. It was the same when, you know, I, I was gay, I am gay. And this is part of my plan that 20 years ago, I have to come out of the closet. And for me, that was like a rehearsal of what is going now because I was an agnostic and almost an atheist. So now I have to tell my friend, God, I have to say I'm religious. Religious is, I want to connect back to God. They are all impressed. And, but I needed to have this conversation like uh, Jacinta, Lucia and Francisco. And it was amazing. And they didn't say anything when I finished. They only say, okay, don't get too tired. Let's go eat. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. Wow, fantastic. That's great. Oh, Antonio, so beautiful. Yeah. What a witness to all of us, you know, that that's really what the message of the movie was. Just speak it. Speak what's in your heart. You don't even have to understand, like Francis is saying, you don't have to understand the guidance, but you do have to feel it. Like, let, feel the importance of the guidance, and then you do have to follow it. And then the doors just open, and they keep opening, but you don't, all along the way, your whole journey, you don't understand until the last, the last aha moment, the present moment dawns, and then suddenly, peace and understanding are together. The Alpha and the Omega come together. So, thank you. Oh, Antonio, we're so touched by your witness. You're going for it. You're going for it. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love the spirit just comes through in a very personal way that you can understand. That's the, that's, that's the experience. It's just very intimate. Yeah. Thank you for sharing. Fatima, even on the holy instant with the sun above, you know, and then his name is Antonio. The Father's name, yes, there's the, the miracle of the Son, and then the Father, your Father's, the Father in the movie was Antonio, and basically, he was such a sweetie, you know, he just loved his family, why can't she dance, and he was so loving, but then in the end, things just started to fall away, you know, he, he lost his crop, uh, then he, he lost his, uh, his animals, he had to sell his animals, and his, daughter, older daughter, he had to have her go and work. So it felt like he was losing everything. And yet, in the end, he was the first one to come there in the front behind them and kneel down. Uh, whoa, the witness, the power of Mother Mary <laughs> came through and he knelt down. So you are a beautiful witness to all of us of, of just your willingness to follow. Atheist, agnostic, and now you're all into God and not afraid to, to use the word. Oh, that's pretty strong. <laughs> Beautiful. 
Micah. Hi, David. Hi, Francis. Hi. Hi. Well, I couldn't attend the movie yesterday. I feel like the ego is hammering myself or my mind. And I think my question is more like, um, I, um, I'm fighting with this sickness and I have such a desire to get up and to be part of the world and to do my, to fulfill my function. But it's always, I mean, I have some miraculous moments and joy and I feel that. But there are moments where it's just like the ego has, I don't know what, what I do, I give him so much power that I feel unable to get up. And the desire is so strong to, to get up and I'm, in, I'm caught up into this battle. And I don't know. Ah, it's so exhausting. And I don't know where I'm hooked actually. I have this loop going on. What am I doing wrong? I, I'm praying. I try to join with mighty companions. I'm in tribe community and share what's on my heart. And yet I'm caught up into this body symptoms. And I really feel like I want to heal and I want to get up. And then uh, the moment I take the courage to take another step, it's like I always get this it's no, not outside in the world. Somehow I don't have many people who are criticizing me. I'm myself. I'm a, such a strong critic to my own self. I feel like I knock myself over <laughs> the moment I want to get up and I don't know how to break this cycle. I think this is a question because I feel there's so much life can so be, can so, uh, I know it can be different and joyful and I feel I know this in my heart, but I don't, it's like I don't let myself from the hook and I don't know why I just don't let myself go and have the fun and joy in my life that I deserve. And I think my question is, how do I get out of this loop, this, this self-destructive mechanism? It's very difficult. Thank you. Thank you. Well, just just like with uh, Antonio, the, who was just on previous, you know, how he was saying um, he did not plan to be here the whole weekend. Um, and he, he had planned, uh, you know, to take care of uh, the children. And then the spirit used the sickness as as a symbol to tell him, no, this is important. You know, let your family take the children. This is so important. And you see the sickness, the symptoms were just a symbol. Also, he said he's been dealing with this for some years and now he's he's booking flights across the Atlantic Ocean to come to rural Utah. He's, he's questioning now, he's releasing his agnosticism and, and opening up to guidance and God. And I think the, th the thing is for you is, is it's still the, the guilt and the struggle always comes from the I know mind of the past. The I know 
what sickness is. I know what symptoms are. I know, you know, and you see, as soon as you go with this I know judgment, which is really a self-criticism that you're having, you're just a self-judgment, and then it spirals down to, um, I'm not doing it right, I'm not good enough. You see, it's just a, it's part of a pattern of thoughts. And that pattern still believes it knows something. It still believes it understands something already. And the ego is using that, what you think you know from the past, it's using that to just hammer you. You know, just like with the kids, they're just in glee, you know. We have seen Our Lady. She has appeared to us and she's beautiful and she's was dressed in white and she spoke to us and she, oh, they're just so happy and gleeful. And then, and the world is like, that's a big problem. In fact, the, the wife of the mayor said, no, no harm can come from three children uh, listening to Mother Mary. And he said, no, that's the greatest threat. <laughs> you see, you see it, it, it's not even logical. It's not even logical. So you have to see that you need to be gentle with yourself in your mind. This I know belief is telling you what you're doing wrong. It's pointing at you. It's criticizing you constantly. And then you don't feel well because, because you accept the criticism. You see, the, the, the little saints, you know, they basically, they had to put up with hours, weeks of criticism, and they kept looking at each other almost like, we didn't really do anything wrong, did we? They couldn't figure out why everybody was so hopping mad because in their mind they didn't do anything wrong. They just happened to come across Mother Mary and then they just wanted to hear more from her. They, they were honored. They smiled when they saw her. They, they didn't run. They had to have quite a level of readiness. They were really ready <laughs> to let the light visit them in the form of Mother Mary. But I think the most important thing for you is, is to just to lighten up and, and start to think a bit like a child, like, like curiosity. What is this? What is this? Don't, don't hammer yourself with it. With it. Um, have curiosity with it, you know. Have, have an openness to say, wow, if I was a little kid and I could just play here and I couldn't leave my house, you know, kids can have a lot of fun even when they're told they can't leave their house. They might even have more fun when the parent goes away and says, <laughs> you cannot leave the house. They're like, party time, play time, you see, fun. You have to have that same kind of attitude working with the course that you're not required to understand, you're not lagging behind other people who understand more. None of the people understand the Course. <laughs> if they did, they wouldn't even seem to be here. <laughs> they would, they certainly would be laughing so hard they, they might uh, pass away laughing. <laughs> uh, but, but you, that's the part, you're just, you're, maybe you're just taking this course like you take other courses. And this is not that kind of course. <laughs> this is a remember to laugh course and, and face, let the darkness come up. So I, I, I did see your question that you wrote in too and, and I, I'm glad that you did that because you're basically saying for everybody, 
how how do I get out of this uh, this dark loop? And I would say, be authentic. Um, just like Antonio was saying, he his father's an atheist. He told him what what's going on in his life. He spoke it up to his whole family. He witnessed to the whole family, and and all they could do was smile and say, okay, let's go eat. Well, that's a that's a fine reaction. I wish I had that kind of reaction. When, when I started to talk about my calling, it wasn't, let's go eat, but that, you see how loved Antonio is, that's the kind of reaction he gets, let's go eat, <laughs> wow, that's amazing. So, I think both, in, it's no accident that Antonio and you went first, because both of you are at the point where you're having to expose, without judgment, just say, this is just the way it is, I'm just supposed to be here on the retreat, and, and you, you were supposed to, whereas Antonio was supposed to be here for the whole retreat, you were not supposed to be here for the movie. That was too much. Jesus was saying, no, uh, don't even, don't even look at this movie. <laughs> you're, you're, you know, it, it, Jesus is never trying to push us over the edge. He's always like, come back, come here, be with me, come back. Don't even turn the movie on. You see, how individual the guidance is. It's, it's not about there's a right thing and a wrong thing. It's more just be gentle. Follow your heart and be gentle, be gentle. Yeah. Jennifer. Hi again. Um, I just What I, I've been trying to pray to see what's I was going to lower my hand because I'm like so filled with guilt and shame, but also transparency and just I think my question is because I already woke up to the course years ago and I followed that path and then I went back to sleep and I'm so in pain because everyone around me was persecuting me all the time and I thought I was so wrong and those were happy choices I was making. I don't think I got it all right, I think there was things I had to make amends for but I've just put myself back in a box. I went and travelled, I went to the other side of the world on my spirit with, you know, spirit's guidance with no money and I did all that and then I came back right into the ego again and I've been living in that for years and I feel so much pain and I don't understand I hear people all the time who go really far I was teaching the course I really understood it and people were listening to me and then I just went back to sleep and I know that's maybe not as big a deal as I think it is right now. I don't know if I need to just start again. I also feel like I keep saying this, but I was trying to do it on my own. And maybe it's just the next phase of my journey to like have more mighty companions and open up to it. And maybe I just want to know, like, because I hear, you know, oh, you're on the journey, just go do it. And then everyone's like, I mean, I can't imagine either of you going back in the box, but I did. And it's like, why did I go back in the box? Because the persecution and the pain from the people that I loved was so strong. And I felt so wrong that I had to go back. Mm. 
And I'm too scared that I'm going to be persecuted, like, again. And I need more support. I can't do it on my own anymore. Yeah, yeah, that's that's what it's for. You're you're joining in here. This is just the first step of much, much more allowance, allowing the support to come to you. Because the thing is, whichever pathway people choose to take to God, including the Course, there is this unconscious darkness and guilt that is kind of like in, in the <clears throat> European tradition, they talk about the Loch Ness Monster, you know, Occasionally they try to get a photograph of it, but you've got the Loch Ness Monster and you're there in Scotland, you got your Loch Ness Monster in your mind underneath there. And even when you're off soaring, traveling the world, teaching the course and saying the Loch Ness Monster is just swimming under the lake, it doesn't come out much. And when the head comes out, occasionally they snap a photograph and they go, ah, what a beast, you know, a legendary beast. The ego unconsciously is like a legendary beast. And if you watched the movie yesterday, even Lucia, who had basically, she had, she had seen Mother Mary repeatedly, and she was opening her faith up in, in a rapid way. But there was one scene where she went in and her mother was dying, she thought. She was ill and dying because of this loss of not being able to, in her perception, see Manuel. Her, that was her whole life, was she was living for seeing, she was praying, doing the rosary to see Manuel again. And then when she heard he was missing, then she started coughing more and then she was bedridden. And that was the part that shook Lucia the most. Like she could take everything else, everything that the mayor was saying, everything that everyone was saying, but to see her mother dying in bed, that was too far. You see, that's where the sacrifice idea came up, like, oh no, I did all this and it won't be worth it if mom dies. It, you know, that's the way sacrifice talks. Everything that, all the miracles you had, all the faith you grew, if mom dies, it's all out the, out the window. And then, she went, and you notice she ran over to where the, the they made the little uh, thing for, for for Mary out in the field, and and she went down on her knees for hours with her father following out there. She, you could see that was her guilt, Mikopa Mikopa. You know that's very much a part of the the ego's religion. You have to suffer and sacrifice, and on her bare knees she crawled around and around in circles for hours and hours until her father finally said, I think it's time to go go back. Let's go see your mother. And when she went back, here with the father again, Antonio pulls her up, takes her back, and then the, they walk in and there's great news, you know, and and they all, the whole family celebrated in the miracle. And, and it was the only the the belief in sacrifice that had her scraping her her knees and crawling literally on her knees around in circles there because that's that belief in in guilt so now all you have to do at this moment is is say okay i'm going to forgive jennifer here 
for for going so far into the course and and being free like a bird and flying and flying and flying and then when you came back to the past it was like quicksand that often happens you know you come back to Scotland and everybody here knows how that is when you go back <laughs> it's like quicksand you know you you think I'm a happy Course of Miracles student, I'm healing, and then you put one toe down. <laughs> and the past just seems to just grab you and pull you in. But you have to forgive yourself for that. That That is not your destiny. Uh, the past is not your destiny. Here you are at the Holy Instant Retreat. This is the instant. Here's what Jesus has got to say for you. It's, it's from, it's from uh, the Holy Instant. He says, everything that you've gone through, all the intensity, it says the Holy Spirit would undo all of this now. Okay. Fear is not in, of the present, but only of the past and future, which do not exist. There is no fear in the present when each instance stands clear and separated from the past, without its shadow reaching out into the future. Each instant is a clean, untarnished birth in which the Son of God emerges from the past into the present. And the present extends forever. It is so beautiful and so clean and free of guilt that nothing but happiness is there. No darkness is remembered and immortality and joy are now. Wow! What a quote from Jesus for the Holy Instant. He's saying each instant is a clean, untarnished birth. But you see, in order to really experience that, you have to be clueless and carefree and cared for. You, just like with, with Micah, which we were just talking, you have to let go of, of past judgments and criticisms. You can't t keep telling yourself, where did I make the wrong turn? When did I step in the quicksand? Who cares? Jesus is like, he's got a hold of your shoulders and your, your elbows and he's like, well, I'm not going into the quicksand stuff. I'm taking you up <laughs> now. You see, that's always what Jesus is doing for us. He's lifting us clean, untarnished birth. We're reborn in the present moment. So you don't have to tell yourself that story or even question where you take a wrong turn. I'm always telling people, I said, I, I tell people, you never really did anything wrong and you never really did anything right either because you're not a body. You're not the doer. You know, we can give the puppet over to Jesus for a little time to have some fun. That's no problem. Have some fun with this puppet. And then Jesus just says, it's poof time. It's time to poof the whole thing. It's time to see you never were a body. You always were the spirit. You never did anything wrong or right. <laughs> and that's really humbling, you know, to, to realize that we were just, we just had a mistake of our identity, that's all. It, but it's just, it's corrected. I was telling Francis this morning, there's two lessons I love from the workbook, which is 79. Let me recognize the problem so it can be solved. And then, lesson 80 is the hallelujah lesson. 
let me recognize my problems have been solved. Jesus is like, they have already been solved, but it won't help you to know this if you misdefine the problem. The problem of separation has already been solved. But when you project it to time, oh, I, was, I did this, I went back to Scotland, I, I got stuck back in the old thoughts and the old patterns. When you project the problem to time, then you don't see that it's solved. But right here and right now, we can see that every situation is actually solved. If we really are willing, we can see that it's all handled. I, I even know Christians that, um, Christian ministers that reached a point where they started to realize that the grace of God, God's love, oversees everything. Sin, oversee, goes beyond sacrifice, goes beyond all the things of theology that they were raised with as Christians. They just get into the grace of God and they go, that's it. God's grace is what I wanted to know all along. That's what matters. It, it, it doesn't matter the theology. The theology is like a little springboard. You just, Jesus doesn't want you to bounce on the trampoline forever. He's like, come on, I've got you. I'm up here. <laughs> just take one big leap off that trampoline and come into my arms. And then that's, that's what happens. So we're with you. We're with you. Beautiful, beautiful. <laughs> Firework stars. Yes, fireworks. It looks like we're, they've got power at the, at the Casa de Milagros. The power of God. We're ready. They're waving. They're doing the wave in the front row, in the back row. Hi. Can you hear me? Yes. Hi, my name's Dana. Super happy to be here. Um, <clears throat> I've been having, ever since I started uh, studying the course, I've had the same metaphysical conundrum come up and uh, I'm really grateful to be able to talk to you all about it. Um, I'm a storyteller, um, visionary storyteller. I write novels, um, spiritual novels. And so I guess I'll put this in the form of uh, uh, a story, a movie, um, and my question uh, referencing the Matrix. So in the Matrix, the, the, the robots create the Matrix and it's very sinister and it's very um, evil and um, scary. And, and, and I love the movie. I thought the, the, the metaphor and, and how they did it was incredible, but I always thought, well, they got that part wrong. The sinister, scary, uh, creator of, of the matrix. It's really the, you know, cause there's two, for me, two ways to kind of look at creation. And, uh, one is that God created, uh, uh, all of this in order to experience itself to veil, to, you know, kind of created a veil of forgetfulness um, so that it could come into form and then have an experience of um, you know, separation, but then remembering uh, an experience, a hero's journey of, um, of, of waking up, 
to itself again, like putting itself to sleep and then waking up to itself. And that's kind of like the, you know, this, I've always seen God as this great storyteller of like, you know, telling heroes journeys, billions of heroes journeys. <clears throat> and, um, that the matrix is, um, you know, admittedly it, that, that, that inherently in that, uh, experience is pain and suffering because there's this sense that we're this body and that we uh, are actually separate from God. But then there's this incredible journey of awakening and like, aha, and like, you know, I've climbed the, the mountain and, and uh, found the Holy Grail and remember who I am and am, am one and, and know my oneness again. So that's one version of the creation um, story. And to me, that's a, a, a one that's kind of uh, heroic and hopeful and uh, loving. <clears throat> and then the other is what the course talks about, which it's, it's all was a big mistake. And so I just have a, a, a challenge with that. And that the ego is this very, is like the devil and it's devil land and bunny rabbits are made with hate and all of that, that whole um, line of, of uh, thinking is challenging for me. It really gets me anxious and uh, scared. I love everything out the forgiveness, the holy instant, um, everything else that, that the course talks about that you all talk about. It's amazing. It's beautiful. But this part really catches me. And so, um, and I just kind of uh, wrote here, I, I don't understand how this world is a mistake and devil land, but it is also a place where everything is uh, working for our good and where nothing happens by accident, but is all a great plan by God. So I'm, I'm, I'm struggling with what seems to be a, um, a, a contradiction and with what's how a perfect being could make a mistake since it's all one, it had to be God that made the mistake in the first place. So that's my question. Okay. Well, yeah, that's, that's good. The, that's probably in my travel around the world many times and into all these 44 countries and many different times and locations and places. That's probably the number one question is, is how could this happen in the first place? Or how could perfection, how could anything like division or competition or death or struggle, disease, pain, guilt, how could, how could all that come from, um, from perfection, from divine love? That's the, that's the number one question I get. And Jesus does address it in the, um, the clarification of terms of the Course in Miracles. And he will say the ego will ask many questions that this Course has no answer for. Um, how did the separation happen? To whom did the separation happen? He says, in the clarification of terms, he says, there is no answer, but there is an experience that will come to end your doubting. From with inside the dream, as Francis was saying, there is no understanding. You, you won't know understanding until you have perfect peace and joy. So you can, you can give up trying, I mean, conversations with God, you know, God wanted to put himself to sleep to to just be remembered. That's this these metaphysics are not going to bring you happiness and joy. I can tell you because <laughs> I've been through them all. I believe me, I've gone through so many metaphysical systems and 
what I find with the course is is the course course is pointing to an experience and basically the, the teachings are is that God is love and everything that comes from God is love. So creation is purely spiritual. Even back in the days of Jesus, the, the biggest hang up that the apostles had was they believed that Jesus was talking somehow about a kingdom of heaven that related to earth. They didn't understand that he was saying the kingdom of heaven is now. Uh, because now is is beyond perception. Uh, there's no past or future. There's no images in now. I've had three revelatory experiences where I went poofing beyond the veil of time and space into an experience of pure light, of pure oneness and love where I knew everything that there ever was to know uh, in, in one instant, in an experience. And the, the veil literally parted like three different times for me. And after those revelatory experiences, which Jesus says are very, very rare. Uh, Alan Shuckman had one in the subway and there's been people that I've known that have had one, one or here or there. But, but what it showed me was that, that creation, just like in this world, we get apples from apple trees, we get oranges from orange trees, we get pears from pear trees, we get grapes from grape vines, we get children, little babies from, from adults, <laughs> the parents, you know, and basically spirit comes from spirit. And that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Creation doesn't have anything to do with stories. Creation has nothing to do with time and space. And creation is a state of mind that I've, I've glimpsed in my revelatory experience as an actual experience of reality. So when we're dealing with time and space and perception and, and past, present, future, we're, we're talking in the realm of unreality. And it doesn't matter how many stories you tell about unreality, unreality is still unreality. Illusions are just illusions are just illusions. But storytelling is very important because, because the Holy Spirit can tell stories. And I've been telling parables and parables of David and the parables of Lisa and the parables of Francis, parables of Kirsten, parables of Jason. We've had a living experience where there's been all these parables, but these are just things that seem to happen to show us the joy that was in within our hearts, uh, the joy that's within us. Uh, there's nothing to the, meaningful to the stories in and of themselves because stories are just pointers. And and even when I had my revelatory experiences, I I just I tried to put them back into the story and say David had a revelatory experience and Jesus left and he goes. No, David didn't have the revelatory experience. David did not have it. Don't put, don't try to put that revelation experience back onto the timeline. You know, it may inspire somebody to say, you can tell, just like when have a, people have a near-death experience, it can be inspiring to hear what happened. You know, approaching the light and unspeakable and you know, all the things I've been, I've heard so many near-death experiences. I've even traveled the world and people will just, they'll, they'll be at a restaurant, they'll come up to me and they'll, they'll look at me and they'll go, I had an out-of-body experience, can I tell you about it? And I say, sure, go ahead. Most people don't believe me, but can I tell you of what happened when I left my body? 
and I was looking at it from a, from the corner of the ceiling and I said, yeah, please tell me. Because you start to be open and see how, how important stories are to lift us higher and higher and higher in consciousness. And what I have discovered from the Course is, it's from Jesus. The metaphysics are so pristine. This is, is not some kind of new age philosophy that teaches you create your own reality. The Course doesn't teach at all that you create your own reality. The Course teaches reality was created for you by God and you can only accept reality. You, you can't make it. You, you can't make it be the way you wish to be. So basically the Course goes beyond all manifesting. The Course goes beyond all attempts to try to reconcile within the dream. How, how can how can I tell the story in a different way that's less painful, more hopeful? It took me 40 years and somebody finally said, how do you spell your last name? And I told him and they said, oh, in German, your name means you are the master of hope. You talk about hope. I didn't even know that for 40 years and then somebody sh told me, you are the master of hope. Well, I don't know if I'm the master of hope or not, but I know I'm very happy and joyful because I've gone through so many miracle experiences that have shown me the nothingness of the world. I, I had to start quit looking for value in anything of this world. And it took me into divine providence. It took me into days filled with miracles. I had a raising the dead experience. I've seen people's symptoms disappear. I've seen things happen where it's almost like, what is, did perception just get rearranged on me here? I mean, this was not here. And now it, in an instant, it's been totally rearranged. And Jesus is like laughing saying, I, yeah, I, I can arrange time and space for you. <laughs> so get used to it. I'm like, okay, that's nothing my mom and dad ever told me <laughs> about time and space being arranged. But I've seen it happen over and over and over. Uh, I was actually with some friends in uh, Australia one time and, and the friend of mine uh, who was driving the car, Roger, he was so upset because um, he said, we've got a workshop to go to, there's people there. And he was so angry at himself because he said, we are going to be so late. I just hate it when there's a workshop set up and I'm the organizer and, and people get there and they can't get into the place. He was just, he was beating himself up, driving the car as fast as he could. And his wife was, was reading an article I had written about, um, no, the spirit, everything is perfect right now and the spirit will arrange time and space. So his wife's looking at it and looking at this article and saying, as her husband's, I hate, we're going to be late, late, late. She said, no, no, I don't think we will. She, and he said, listen, I've driven this hundreds of times and I know we're going to be late. And she said, but he's saying right here, if we just relax into this moment, that all of time and space will be arranged for us. And she's laughing and he's screaming. When we finally got there, we pulled up to the parking lot. He looked at his watch and he had disbelief on his, his face because he's like, oh my God, I, we're five minutes early. This is not physically possible. I, 
I would have bet my life that we would be late. And and she was still laughing. She just was laughing all the way through while he was screaming. And then she laughed when, when he looked at his watch. So nothing is as it seems and everything is for us, but but it's not like, even with The Matrix, I was also thinking about The Matrix. I was thinking, wow, this movie was very parallel to The Matrix. But in The Matrix, The Matrix was a computer-generated program with other programs to, to cover over what, what was underneath. When, and when Morpheus finally took Neo and, and they sat down at this computer screen, he showed him how dark and bleak and black the world actually was. In A Course in Miracles, Jesus calls this the ring of fear. He says, you have your surface level, which is like the matrix, the, the projection, but, but the, the matrix is being projected from the mind that is guilty. It's coming from guilt. Even though parts of it, like bunny rabbits and, and certain things look really sweet and cute and other things look are judged as ugly and vile and dark. It's really all just a projection and the matrix was just a projection and that Neo had to go and face all of his fears uh, while he was on the Nebuchadnezzar and even when he would go in and out of the matrix he still had to face all these fears. So I think that's what we're going through and I do feel you have a great, great gift of storytelling and the spirit. Jesus just so much wants to use that gift. Like he's like saying, oh, give it to me. Oh, you're good at what you do. It's a highly developed skill. And he says, if you give it to me, you can bring enormous blessings because people believe in words and people believe in stories and you have to use the stories or let the Holy Spirit use the stories to inspire and to bless. I've I've had some mystical experiences when I started to tell people about them, I could feel my whole consciousness going into the experience again, just as I was letting the Holy Spirit retell the mystical experience. If I was suddenly, I was right there. I was like, I got more and more joyful. I felt this bursting love in my heart and I was like, oh, this is why you're using the parables so I can, come back into the moment, into the glory. So it's beautiful. I'm glad that you've kind of explored all these things and, and I did too. I, I read Conversations with God. I read a lot of things, but but wow, the metaphysics of the Course are, they're just so exquisite and yet it, it's good to ask these questions. I'm glad you're raising this because, uh, yeah, those are, those are the questions I've heard tens of thousands of times in, in different countries and different gatherings and retreats around the world and 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 it's an experience. We're going for an experience. We're trusting that we're going to have an experience of this love and that's what we do in community. We just, we keep the faith and trust every moment of every day in, in to show me that experience. Show me your glory is what we're into. <laughs> that's our song. So thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Um, David, I just see we're about 10 minutes away from the top of the hour, getting close. So we might, we'll just see how we go, but this could be the last question depending on how we go. Yeah, I think we can, we've, we, what is time? <laughs> <laughs> 
So I see we've got a, a string of people there going all the way across, all the way to Stephania, yeah, and so I, we want to make sure we get, so we'll just go straight through to Stephania and then that will be the end of our, our retreat. <laughs> so, sounds good. So we have Delissa. Yay, here's Delissa again. This is her weekend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's why, like, I, I can, like, not ask the question because, yeah, I really have, like, that feeling that I'm constantly asking things. And, yeah, I don't want to take time away from other people. It's actually two things. One thing that I don't think has anything to do with this, but I kind of want to ask. And the other one is still with the split mind and the guidance. And the reason is because, um, like, a few years ago, I had, like, an experience that felt like it was guided. And uh, I went with it. I saw so many signs for like years that it was like, this is like your path. And then all of a sudden, like for a few years, I, I sat down. I was like, this was never true. This was my ego. Like this was never like divine guidance. And, and I was like, that was so weird. It was like that my brain was looking for these signs and then found them. And then my, and then it was like that. I was like, yeah, this is divine. This is what will happen. This is like what would, would God wants. And then it was actually no. And that's why I have like a hard time, like seeing what the guidance is and what that the ego is. Cause my ego really sometimes is like trying to be like, hi, I'm the Holy Spirit, like do this. And then wait, no, that was never true. And also because like, I have like inner guidance, but, um, it's more that I'm, that I was, uh, oh yeah, <laughs> serious writing there. Um, and that I like actually like more put like pressure on myself. And I was more like when I was a kid, like, okay, this is the list what my, me as a kid has to do. So I will follow that even when my inner guidance said no, I was like, this is what's supposed to do. And then after the years, it's harder for me then to like see from the inside, if it's really comes, it really comes from me. And the other thing is just a short one is that uh, since like I had like the, um, the special relationship chaps, chapters, uh, I just completely threw away relationships. I'm like more detached from connection because it's like, oh, we're all one. I don't want to create special relationships. So it's better to just push people away. Uh, and like not go into it because it's going to be a special relationship. And I actually have no idea like how to get into holy relationships. That was something I wanted to share. Okay, that's that's fantastic. Well, maybe we can address them backwards because the thing is when people say, I'm, I read the course, I read those chapters from 15 to 24, and now I'm through with relationships because uh, I can see what a mess <laughs> relationships are. But relationship specialness is in the mind. So you can have specialness with food, you could have specialness with climate, you can have specialness with with anything of this world. And, and what Jesus is saying is, if you let the guidance, if you're drawn to certain people, then they're going to be your mirrors, and they're going to help you get in touch with the specialness in the mind. So he, now he's going to flip it around and say, now I want you to really open up. You've avoided relationships. And now Jesus is saying, no, you just were 
you, you were trying to avoid getting into a special relationship, but everyone who seem, believes they're in time and space is is got uh, this this Loch Ness monster underneath um, that is specialness. So it's more of it's more of getting honest with yourself and just looking at the purpose. If you just start to use relationships for for transparency, for openness, and maybe you start to to just let more and more aspects of, of what you're thinking and feeling up in the relationships. Sometimes people will say, too much. Put a lid on it. I don't want to hear this anymore. That's fine. That was a good mirror for, for the time it was there. You're just going to start to see relationships more in terms of, of mirroring. Mirroring what's going on in your consciousness. And so, and let's see, there's a couple other questions you had in there. Uh, one was about guidance and discernment. The thing about it is, nothing is ever actually going wrong, but the lesson is always to bring us to peace in the present moment. So Francis and I, I don't know, it was maybe a couple years ago, we, or it's online, it's on Spreaker, we did a, a whole weekend on guidance. And it was quite a profound weekend because what we were sharing during that profound weekend is guidance is never for the future. So if you start to realize that the guidance is always just for you to be peaceful and present in this moment, and you release the belief about prophecy, even prophecy, you know, isn't it great? You go you go to a psychic, the, the psychic says, I have a prophecy for you, and this is what your life is going to look like and how it's going to unfold. No, it's not even for prophecy because that involves time and future, and, and it's always about being present. How do I feel right now? And all the guidance is just to bring you into the present moment. Isn't that an amazing realization that all guidance is only for the present moment? It takes out the complexity of, well, I did this and then this turned out and then I had this prophecy but this didn't come true. And, you know, if you try to understand guidance from the, from the timeline, it's a mess. You can be disappointed and discouraged right away just trying to understand that. It's just like light symbols, like Jason and Lisa went in to see a, a world-famous psychic one time in Park City and they go finally get in to see the world-famous psychic and they both have the same question. And the question to the world-famous psychic is, what is my relationship to David Hoffmeister? <laughs> that, that I could have asked any question in the world. And that's what they asked. And so the psychic told them symbols of how it would seem to go in terms of the relationship. And uh, I remember with Jason, the psychic said, you will be used in many collaborative projects with David Hoffmeister. That was, <laughs> that's what the psychic said. And that's kind of, if you look at the way that the script played out, that's how it played out. Still is playing out. It's still happening. Uh, it's almost like a lifelong symbol in terms of time that just gives you a little hint so you won't be too surprised. And yet, when you're trying to follow and figure out guidance based on the ego and the timeline, you see that's where you get very discouraged. Like, you feel tricked. 
you feel like you you try to discern and it feels like the ego is so ingenious that sometimes it seems to trick the person of Delisa and you go that ego is tricking Delisa bad ego I, I want the Holy Spirit well guess what it's a lifelong discernment so now that you've spoken up about your relationships now Jesus might start sending in we'll get Lilo in there and who knows what and you know but don't be afraid of it <laughs> you don't have to be like the stoic Buddha I am the Buddha I will not look at a person because I will not be drawn into specialists I am a rock I am an island you know and a rock feels no pain and an island never cries you know Simon and Garfunkel you don't have to think you already know what the specialness is and you're going to be really a good course Delisa is going to be such a good course student that she's not going to even take a peek <laughs> in time and space it just doesn't work that way we can we can tell you that so yeah look forward look forward to maybe I can have a call with you and Lilo and you can you can get some more symbols of you know what what's helpful yeah. beautiful thank you thank you Delisa then we have Diana Diana Miguel Mexico City hi how are you hi hi, hi. Nice to well um uh, I've been thinking about to make a question, but uh, it really it has been answered. Uh, I think it's been it's been answered since uh, since I really know it. So the the only thing I can say it's uh, thank you for for being myself talking to me in such a lovely way uh, it's me cherishing myself my heart and uh, never before in my life I felt this way uh, I feel that I have some stuff to work on it but Every day is my life transforming in, in this love that I really look for since I remember. <laughs> uh, and I want to thank you all for all this because my life is transforming in such thing that I really wanted since I remember. And it's this. Union with God. So I don't have nothing more to tell you that your love, David, you're me. You're yeah. that, that word <laughs> that I always wanted to. You're me talking to me, and I'm you, and I'm the whole thing that I see. And this feel of love that vibrates all around us and 
And thank you very much for for your teachings from all your team that is supporting all these lessons, Francis, Peter, Manuel, uh, Manuel in, uh, you know Manuel? Yes, very and, well, uh, yes. Manuel and my wife, Diana, who introduced me to this when I thought that where there was no hope for myself. And I thought, this is, a, this is my last chance. And I took it and I hold it in my heart and I'm having all the faith that I can have on, 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 on all this and God. And, and just today somebody says, this works. And yes, for all the people who listen to this and that could have any doubt on God, his power, and his willing to make us see that we can be there, that we are there already. Don't have any doubt. He eat whatever we can uh, name it. He's there, and um, and this course works. It really works. Keep on and stay there. Thank you very much, all of you, for what you are doing. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Oh my. <laughs> oh. Woo. <laughs> Everything's all lit up with that one. <laughs> Miguel. <laughs> We're the same one. Isn't this fun? <laughs> oh, beautiful. Thank you. Oh my. Okay, well. Kana, Kana, we're, you're back. <laughs> Beautiful. Hi. 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 Kwana uh, is, I know it's a kind of a confusing name. Kwana <laughs> is how it's pronounced, but. Um, Sounds like quantum. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> David, I've learned more from you about quantum physics than ever. <laughs> I just want to say, you pretty make it very simple, but um, wow, I I reminded again of the the end of a Jerry Maguire movie where Cuba Gooding Jr. is getting interviewed by a sports interviewer, and he says, I'm "Not gonna cry." And reminds me of that every time. <laughs> I'm not going to cry, but uh, the crying is of joy. And um, I know we don't have a lot of time, but I wanted to thank you. Gosh, so mm, I've had a 20-year um, adventure with the course. And I can so relate to the parables of, you know, I left, um, <clears throat> left a... Uh, uh, marriage at the time I left 
a, a IT career. I had two college degrees, psychology degree, and was going to move forward with a master's degree, left that behind, left even behind being a professional singer and musician and having a band. And uh, so I can truly relate to the, the, the leaving behind and the parables of Francis when you've shared about your mother um, and how you've engaged with her. I can, it's been so helpful because I have three older sisters and my, both my parents have passed on, but the roles have continued. And uh, so it's been very helpful for me to be able to uh, engage with them with kindness and following Jesus's, um, some of it shocking to me, guidance on how to, to what to excuse myself of, from and certain certain ways of communicating and so on and so forth. So uh, fast forward to today, uh, after finding David and Francis in the, this beautiful community, uh, I was stuck for, for years being an awesome spiritual chick, okay? I ran away from the course for a while on and off and tried this and that and of course nothing about me the happiness um, but eventually of course Jesus always finds a way he never gives up and I just want to share with everyone how Jesus will never give up period he will not give up on you and <clears throat> with the teachings of David and Francis and the community it helped me so much to be able to understand time to understand uh, not understand, but the experience of divine providence. Uh, my current husband and I, in the last two years, we have not worked. <laughs> We've been liberated from working and everything's been taken care of. And the process of dealing with emotions, facing my emotions, facing my negative beliefs, those are the following guidance and facing my negative, the negative beliefs are the two key practices. And I guess I was just ready when I finally found David and Francis on YouTube. So I just wanted to share that with everyone that it is all true and you deserve to live in this beauty. Um, Francis, your story is also about the movie project that came to you. I can, that's been helpful also because Jesus gave me this book, fictional spiritual book that I finally completed uh, in March. And I've been really listening to how you, I'm not, I'm not a professional writer. I have no clue. I don't know anyone in the business or anything like that. So I've been following that. It's been very, very helpful. Um, otherwise, you just get absolutely overwhelmed. So I just wanted to share that. And thank you, David and Francis. My first, my first retreat, it's been a beautiful experience. And I just, I can't say enough, but my heart, my heart is with you and everyone. Oh. Uh, <laughs>
Thank you. We'll see you and hopefully I'll see you and your husband uh, at the monastery. Yeah, this summer. Hopefully. Beautiful. Pass, it, pass our love along to him. Uh, thank you. Okay. No. Hi. This is my first in nine months or something like that. I have been going through amazing transformations and always listening to all the recordings. And um, today, actually Friday, uh, was the beginning of uh, a new mode of uh, living. I, I had taken in somebody who, uh, who started uh, as a tenant but without money, just exchange for some work. And it turned out that beautiful heart and everything, but he, could, he couldn't help me because uh, he was not well and he wasn't, uh, his mind did not work in the way that could be helpful. Although his heart was so beautiful and he, he did want to help me and he tried in every way he could, but it was impossible. So after a year of uh, uh, sending him to his family and then he coming back, <laughs> he put me in the role of his mother. And so it was so funny because uh, here I was caregiving again. <laughs> it's something that I had uh, been wanting to stop myself from doing that. And uh, finally, um, I gave him ample time to, I said, at the end of, first it was April, I said, you need to find a different way of living, your family, whatever. And, uh, and then I noticed that he hadn't done anything to get himself ready. So I extended it to the end of May. But I was firm on that one. And so at the end of May, he was able to find a place and move out, move on. And so then I went into silence for the weekend, except for the retreat. The retreat was for me to really uh, go into my place of uh, communicating my heart's promptings, desires, everything that I, I have been uh, experiencing. And one of the things that I find myself stuck in is chaos. Uh, somehow, my ego does not <laughs> lay down easily. Um, preparing myself for this workshop, like you cannot prepare for the holy instant at all. Um, I had a, a plug in my kitchen, so I couldn't use my kitchen sink. So I had to call a plumber. Plumber didn't have a long enough thing to go through the wall. So he had to, we had to uh, rent a, uh, a thing to go through the roof. Then I had uh, duty with my 102 year old aunt. I had to take her to the uh, optometrist and then rush back home to get the plumber. Then, then on Friday night after a beautiful workshop, I heard this blink. Oh, it's been storming here because of a tropical storm. I'm in Florida and uh, South Florida. And so, um, I hear this plink, plink, plink. And I go to one of the 
bedrooms that is now used as a hallway in a warehouse. And there's a humongous uh, drip from the ceiling. So there's a hole in the roof or something. And everything is, the floor is sopping wet, everything is wet. So, so here I had a flood, a plug in the kitchen, a kitchen sink, all these things happening this week. Oh, and, and I lost my wallet with everything on Monday. Identification, credit cards. But one of the things that I did that I noticed that has been so different for me is that I said, nothing. It's like that song, nothing's going to change my world. Nothing's going to change my world. I'm in the world of God. And I'm in the world of truth. And I will not allow the ego to have the best of me at all. And so um, I have been in joy about this workshop and I'm not letting anything disturb that. So, and I wanted to say, started to write you, but I, I didn't want to miss anything. So what I wanted to say is that beyond everything you give, the examples, the lectures, uh, the reminders, everything, your example of joy and lightheartedness and openness and totally acceptance of everything that the ego may show, it's been such a light for me. And I thank you from the deepest part of my heart because you have shined the light for me for so long. Thank you so much. <laughs> thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah, it's so beautiful too, because we, we didn't get to all the questions, but our, our friend Annabelle was going through a lot of stuff too. And you're reminding me that, you know, we, when we came to this world, it's almost like we, we took on the belief in reciprocity, you know, this and this and this all, you know, reciprocity with the world, whether it's with with the weather or the lights or the plumbing or whatever, if you have a house, you know, and Annabelle was sharing too. I was just thinking of her too, because she's, she had a partner and she had two children and she moved to Mallorca and, and Annabelle, you were saying there was so much, uh, so many broken promises, so many scenes of betrayal or things like this. And then you're saying on key, nothing's going to change my world. That was for all of us. You know, we, we can rest in the, in the Spirit's grace and nothing's going to change our world. Nothing's going to take that away from us. And that was beautiful. Fiona Apple, we got to all watch how the, the, whole, the whole bistro was getting ripped to shreds. And she was just so peaceful and serene and singing this beautiful Beatles song, you know, so thank you. That's a beautiful way to, to keep that in our heart. Just that, that melody will be with us here as we go forward. So thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. <laughs> and speaking of Florida, I think Stephania Ocean is right down there in Florida too. We're coming to the end with two from Florida. <laughs> Tropical storms for everybody. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, yes, Miami, Florida, but I just dovetailing. I'm sorry. I love that expression that Kristen said on, 
on Saturday, dovetailing off what um, both <clears throat> uh, the last two speakers were saying, so Kwana and Somar, um, specifically about like taking both of your examples or just the examples of people who are practicing the course and um, how do we find this middle point of no private thoughts and no people pleasing and still not attacking the other and knowing when we are attacking or we are expressing our truth. Um, I don't, I, I, there's this one movie, this new movie by Mary, uh, about Mary Magdala, um, where Joan Phoenix is the, is Jesus. And I love this movie so much. And this one line stuck out, stuck out to me after everything happened um, that she realized that the apostles were not fully understanding what she had understood, um, which I feel is everything that's in the Course in Miracles. And um, she says, I will not fight you, but I will not remain silent. And I feel like that's so powerful, but I think it can be challenging, let's say in the learning process, and, and, I, and I, you guys have been through that learning process, with whether it's family or, you know, whether it's the internet or the people who are around you who are, you don't, you're not people pleasing anymore. And you do have thoughts. When do I keep it to myself or when do I speak up? And when is that enough? How can I make sure it's not an attack, you know, an attack on them? Um, you had also mentioned that, that Jesus says, let them say what they have to say and just don't attack. And so just knowing that space so we can grow there. I feel like there's so much growth there. Yeah. So that's my question. Beautiful. Thank you. I, I read part of it too. You had written it out and you really fully articulated it there. Well, the thing about the course, it's leading us into what Jesus calls an I need do nothing experience. So um, that's where, where we can just look upon the world with no inclination to judge it positively or negatively, just to look upon the world in, in a peaceful perspective. And I think it's a, definitely a course in undoing because, because when we take on, oh, hi there. <laughs> hi, sweetie. <laughs> I saw her watching. She's been with us the whole time and watching the little, the little children in the, the movie too. But what I found was, you know, we, we are raised with a belief that we have human rights and, and in the end, Jesus is saying we are entitled to miracles. He only uses the word entitled with one thing and that's miracles. He, he doesn't say we're entitled to any rights as being a human being, as a man or a woman. Um, he, he basically says, that's a workbook lesson, I am entitled to miracles. And when you really look at that, that's very humbling because the miraculous state of mind is very present. It's very joyful. It's very happy. It's very peaceful. All of us can relate to that, we know. And the word entitled, the ego has another meaning to entitled, and it's called entitlement. We even have laws that are entitlement laws. What men are entitled to, what women are entitled to, what children are entitled to, what citizens of the United States of America are entitled to in the Constitution of the United States. 
we start to realize, wow, we've got a lot of programming around entitlements, but Jesus is saying we're entitled to miracles. I take that to mean that we, are, we have the right to heal in mind. We have a right to wake up to our true reality. And we have a right to miracles, lots of them. I mean, lots of them every day. It doesn't even matter if we know what they are, if we're just willing to say, bring them on. You know, there's, Jesus says, you have a storehouse of miracles. And if you open your mind you, you know, and give them away, then you'll really know that you have an unlimited supply. There's no scarcity. So, um, I think for me, the first five years was, first three years used the Course as an oracle, then a couple more years, and then started teaching it in my local, local course groups and things. Surprisingly, the Spirit just started to pour through. Uh, I just would show up with willingness. I wasn't uh, officially a facilitator or teacher. It just wanted to give the gift, give the gift of presence and, and give whatever would come through. And then when Jesus took me traveling for five years around the United States and Canada, that was my chance to really learn guidance that, that I didn't really need to speak at all until I was spoken through. And I, and I, I had to learn, I mean, after 10 years of university, I, I had opinions about things. I, I took stances on things, you know, after 10 years and you're in an academic uh, facility, you know, you got to take a stand. What do you think about this? What do you believe about this? What are you, a, 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 a wet noodle? Come on, what is your stand on this and this? So I was politically active and I took a stand on things and I was going to change the world and like Michael Jackson told me, heal the world, make it a better place. I was all for that. And then with the Course, Jesus was like, oh, come back to me, come back to me. There's nothing political. And I said, what, what do you mean there's nothing political? Not in your family? not in your interpersonal relationships, not in your country, not in society. There is nothing political. When you, when you take a stand for or against something, you are reinforcing the separation uh, belief, uh, because there's no for and against. So I said, well, that sounds really good, but I, I cannot say that I understand what you're talking about at all. And he said, that's why we're going traveling. And then those five years of traveling, when you're in people's homes, when you're in restaurants, when you're with people all the time, even in the car, uh, to not take a stand on anything in the world, he was like saying, let's get out of the, the academia and let's get into the practical application of, of being peaceful and extending love with all your brothers and sisters in a real practical way. Let's do it. Let's jump in. And I said, great. You know how that is with your little daughter. You live with her. So it's a practicum. You're, you're right in the practicum right now, <laughs> regardless of you were a singer and international singer. And now Jesus is like, yeah, let's try the practicum of mom and daughter uh, for to really break through. Oh, she's really a darling. She's, <laughs> I can see it in her eyes. She's in for this one. She's like, I'm, I'm in for this assignment. I'm going 100%. So, what you start to realize is that, that 
you don't need to take a stand. I mean, when I was traveling teaching the Course, wars would break out seemingly in the world and, and Jesus would take me into a, a TV store, pass through his TV store so I could see a few bits and pieces of news bits and then Jesus would use those little bits in the talk I would give. Even though I was unaware that there was a war, obviously <laughs> I was supposed to talk about a war because Jesus said, here, scoop up a few bits here and we'll talk about it. And I think the thing that's most interesting about this is, is that when you start to really not take a side, I mean I was traveling teaching the Course and somebody said, do you hear there's a lawsuit around the Course of Miracles? And I said, a lawsuit? And they said, yeah, there's, there's two parties and they're being su suing each other and then I heard, kept traveling a second lawsuit. The Course? Around the Course? Yes. Third, law, fourth, fifth. There was at one point seven lawsuits going on around A Course in Miracles at the same time. And when I would travel to course groups, people would say, which side is right? And I would just smile and laugh and go, which book are you reading? <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> I mean, is, is this obvious to anybody? Like, why? I can't even comment on seven copyright uh, lawsuits of around A Course in Miracles. Who owns the words of Jesus? To me that was a bit silly. Uh, who owns the words of Jesus? You know, obviously if somebody does seem to, then let's just let them do what they're doing because that must have been in the plan. We, sh we, we have to stop fighting as Course in Miracles students and teachers. But see, now that's my practicum. Because I was traveling and teaching the Course, then I had to address, and and sometimes you, I still didn't have to take a stand. I didn't have to say who was right or wrong. I just said, "What book are you reading?" I, I do what Jesus did in the course. If if you ask Jesus, it's the question is, "How will the world end?" Is the question posed to Jesus, and Jesus writes, "Can what never that never had a beginning have an end?" You see. He answers, he asks he, a question with a question. <laughs> How will the world end? Can what never had a beginning have an ending? You know, you see, and that's what I said when I said, you know, what book are you reading? Because in the end we, we can live on guidance and we can live 100% on intuition and we don't need an analytical aspect to our mind that is dividing diagnosing, analyzing, of course all of our professions are <laughs> are based on that. But I would rather be in the vocation of healing my mind with Jesus than I would be trying to play a game of, of trying to reciprocity, earn money for becoming a good diagnostician or a good judgment. So, so I think you're on to it right now. You've you've got a full-on curriculum right there with your little daughter uh, every day and and it's I think that's a very accelerated curriculum myself <laughs> I think and then I also know you have a beautiful voice and you have amazing um, singing ability and that's definitely something that Jesus uses uh, but it's but it's always for us to teach what we would learn it's never it's never really to try to make a career or, you know, to make something 
out of it. We kind of get unwound from the whole career thing uh, pretty quickly. So, but you still have the gift. You still have the great gift of singing. So I think that that's going to come in uh, pretty strong for you as you move along. Yeah. So thank you. <laughs> thank you. We're with you. <laughs> oh, sweet. Yes, the Dove of Peace. We're ending the Holy Instant Weekend with the Dove of Peace. <laughs> Bright white. <laughs> wow. Wow, thank you. <laughs> I just want to step back and look at your faces for a moment. Oh my gosh. What a, what a beautiful time. There's such a stillness with this, you know, this, this holy instant. You know, I give to you, be you in charge, for I would but follow. We're, we're giving this instant to Jesus, and we're just saying, we're going to follow. We're going we're gonna to ride this instant all the way back to eternity. <laughs> yeah, like what you're saying just then, that I need nothing. And truly, even if we take on a seeming function that's given by Jesus, we're taking it on so that we can learn. We're still here to learn, you know, because I remember this beautiful experience where Davey and I were traveling in China. My mother really wanted to have lunch. We just didn't have time. No compromise with the function. And then she came all the way from, from my house to this hotel we're in, traveled an hour and a half to meet with me. And I was late for hours because we have something else just came up. And my mother was waiting in the lobby so angry. I can feel it. So when I was ready to, to go down to the lobby to meet with her, I really did not know what, how to communicate and how to face that moment. So I just turned to David. That's like my symbol of the spirit. Spirit, what do I do? I don't want to show up to engage into guilt and defense or anything. Just what would you have me do? And, and David just pulled a flower from the bouquet of flowers we received in our hotel room. She put a right rose out of it and just say, just give it to her. And this is what I was thinking, you know, when I, we were thinking, what do we do? How do we deal with this world? This is just ask. And the Spirit always shows up with such love and, and lightheartedness. Just give her this flower. And I went down with this red rose to the lobby, and my mom was like furious. Where have you been? I, and that was the first time we met in years, you know. And, and I just, this is for you. And she couldn't, like, <laughs> she couldn't process, like, how do I do this? And then I said, I have only an hour and a half. Let's go. Let's, let's join. Like, just do only this. Let's move, move into the joining, not, not looking back, you know. And every year I went back since that point, that flower was always shown to me, dried, kept in a book, and my mom like show me that flower. And that was like, that's the spirit in that moment when I asked, I don't know what to do. The spirit is like, 
this, do only this. It's so out of the realm of what you think, and yet it's always given. It's always given. So that's really what we're moving forward with: is this, this, this faith that let's just ask and learn what love is. You know what faith is, what healing is. Thank you. Uh, thank you all. Just, I feel so honored we can come together with this holiness. And, and uh, I just looked at the Course today before I came out to be with all of you. And, and, uh, and Jesus was saying, everything of this world changes, but holiness does not. <laughs> so there's our contrast. We'll, we'll be in that Fiona Apple song, nothing's going to change my world because we are holy. We are holy. And, and who we are does not change. Does not change, ever. So thank you all for being with me and being with both of us and our whole team, you know, all of the people in our community love collaborating to, to share and extend this love. And so we're, we have a giant collaboration now. We're zooming in to, to God from all over the world. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you.